0: Well, hey everyone, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Lynn. I work with the college age and young adult ministry, and it is so good to be with you today. So wherever you are watching online right now, thank you so much for being here. Now, I want to begin today with a question. And my question is this, what is your biggest fear? What is your biggest fear? Now, there are all sorts of things that we're each afraid of, but one fear that's pretty universal is our fear of death. Now, I know it's not the most fun topic talking about death, but it's actually a really important one, and we're going to talk about it today. And honestly, I'm happy to take this topic because I happen to love the passage that we're looking at. Now, death isn't something that we like to think about. We don't like to talk about it. We like to keep it at arm's length. You know, death has power in our world. We see it everywhere. In fact, it even makes us uncomfortable, especially in Western culture. It makes us so uncomfortable that we find other ways to talk about it. It's why we call it a memorial site instead of a cemetery. It's the same reason that we say someone passed away. It just sort of feels a little bit better that way. We so long to make death more pleasant, but the truth is, and if you've lost someone you love, you know this firsthand, that not even the prettiest funeral service can downplay the finality of death and the sting that it brings. Some of you are feeling that sting today. For some of you, it may even be fresh. Can we just agree that death is horrible? It's horrible. As we go through life, there are all different types of loss that we face. And sometimes it's physical death, but sometimes it's the death of other things in our lives. You know, I think about this year, 2020, talk about losses, right? Each and every one of us has lost out on a plan that we made or something that we were hoping for. I think of all of the graduated seniors that missed out on a graduation like they always imagined. I think about students everywhere who've lost the normalcy of going to school, being in a classroom with their teachers and their classmates. I think about everyone who's just missing seeing their parents or their grandparents, but they can't because of COVID-19. For all of us, our world has changed when it comes to physical contact. We can't hug, we can't embrace the same way. Worldwide, we have now hit over 1 million deaths to COVID-19. During this season, I think it's safe to say that we are seeing death and we are seeing loss and it's actually all around. Now to us, death is overpowering, but to Jesus, he has total power over it. There's actually a story in the Bible where we can learn what Jesus thinks about death. And you may be familiar with the story of Lazarus and it may be no surprise to you at all that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But it's in this story that Jesus makes the famous statement about himself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so even if you've heard this story before, maybe a hundred times, you may be surprised by some new things that we see today as we read this passage together. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 11. And as we get ready here, I just wanna set up this story. We have a family, Mary and Martha. They are sisters and their brother Lazarus is sick. Okay, he's sick. Now this family had a history with Jesus. They knew Jesus. They were friends with him. We learn about them earlier in the gospel account. And so Mary and Martha decide to send word to Jesus about their brother who was sick. Now, we aren't exactly sure how they got word to Jesus, if they were keeping track of his travel somehow or what exactly happened. But by sending word to Jesus, we can assume that they were hoping he would come quickly to heal their brother. With that, let's begin reading in verse four. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So Jesus learns that his friend is sick. He learns that Lazarus is sick. He boldly declares this sickness will not end in death. And then he stays where he's at for two more days. What is going on here? We see that Jesus intentionally delayed his travels. Now it would be really easy to brush past this part of the story. Right, We know a miracle's coming, let's get to the miracle, right? But we're gonna stick here for a minute today. What is going on? If Jesus really loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, why would he delay his travels? You know, sometimes when my husband, AJ and I go out, we like to take our dog and actually drop her off at my dad's house. Uh, We have a picture of our dog, not my dad, but my dog. And she's super cute. Her name is Vivi. This is Vivi. And uh, sometimes when we go out for the night, we'll actually drop Vivi off at my dad's so that she can kind of run free in his fenced in backyard. So one night, this was pre-COVID, a perfect Madison summer night. So where were we? We were at the union. We met some friends, we grabbed a table, just got our food. We were ready to enjoy the night. The sunset was happening. When all of a sudden my phone rang and it was total panic and it was my dad. And he said, Vivi is gone. And I said, what do you mean she's gone? And he said, I don't know, but Vivi escaped. You need to come right now. And just like that, I hung up the phone. I told my table what happened. And just like that, we left our table. We abandoned our full plates of food. We began sprinting through downtown Madison to get to our car. We were fighting the sunset. Vivi is a black lab. It was dark. She was near the mall. We were imagining the worst. After some searching, the phone rang and it was good news. Vivi was found, she was safe, she was well, and a nice family even let her come into their home, uh, into their living room until we could get to her. We were totally relieved (laughs) and you better believe she got to sleep in the bed with us that night. But let's be real, Vivi is our dog and we love her, but she's our pet, she's our pet. Some of you listening today have a story. Some of you have received a call with a totally different ending. I'm talking about the kind of call that turns your whole world upside down. There's life before that call, there's life after it, but there's no going back, there's no in between. You remember exactly where you were, what you were doing, and what it felt like to receive bad news about someone that you love. Sometimes I hear stories, and to be honest with you, I don't always know what to say. Because some of you have had to go through getting a call about your best friend, or your sibling, or your parent, or your spouse. Some of you have had to go through getting a call about your child. I cannot even begin to imagine the unthinkable sting and the raw pain of getting a call like that. Death is horrible. Now, as we look to the story in John 11, it's hard to know just what Mary and Martha must have been experiencing. But I wonder if they were just hoping that Jesus would drop everything, no matter what it was to come heal Lazarus. He was their friend. Lazarus was sick, all options had been exhausted. They needed a miracle and Jesus was their guy. He could help them. See, this makes sense to us. It makes sense to us that if Jesus really loved Mary and Martha, if he really loved Lazarus, he would drop any and everything to be there to heal him. But we just read, that Jesus delayed his trip by two whole days. So what is going on? Here's the problem. Our idea of love and Jesus's idea of love are not the same. See, we want to avoid pain at all costs. We wanna run from anything that causes us to suffer. Right, I, I just had a conversation with a friend who said, my main goal in life is to avoid pain and be happy. Honestly, I think it's easy to think this way. Nobody wants to experience pain, but here's the thing. We want a pain-free life, but Jesus, he's all about helping us live a faith-filled life. We want a life that's free of pain. And Jesus wants to help us to live like people who are filled with faith. This is hard for us. We see a hard reality in this story that Jesus allowed something horrendous to happen to Mary and Martha. And even though he could have intervened, he allowed it. Now, right now, some of you might be thinking, that just doesn't seem loving to me. And I can't follow God like that. And I get that, this is really frustrating. This is really hard. Why would God allow us to suffer? See, we want a pain-free life, but Jesus is about helping us develop our faith. Now, I wish that I had a perfect answer for you, but there isn't a perfect answer. But I do think it's true that sometimes difficult things can happen in our lives and we can actually grow because of it. There's something good that actually can come from it. I think of a parent, you know, taking their kid to the doctor or to the dentist. You know, the kid, they don't understand. They don't know what it's all about. They don't see the purpose, but the parent knows, you know, this may cause some pain, but there's actually a reason that I'm doing this. Now, I'm not saying that it's always like this, but I think it's true that sometimes difficult things happen that we just can't understand. We just can't understand it on this side of forever. And so, as we look to the story, we see that Jesus loved these women. He loved Mary and Martha, and he allowed something truly horrible to happen to them. And at first, they are not going to understand it. They are not going to see the purpose. It is not going to make sense to them. But as we keep reading, we actually get to see that in fact, there was some purpose, tremendous purpose, that their faith would be strengthened and many would believe. Now, maybe you're going through something horrible today and maybe you find yourself asking questions like Mary and Martha may have been like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you even hear us? We need a miracle. And what we see in this story is that sometimes we can't make sense of it. Sometimes difficult things happen, but through it, we have a chance for our faith to grow. We have a chance to learn something new about God. Let's keep reading. We see here, Jesus telling the disciples about his plan. (laughs) He says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So the disciples think that Lazarus is sleeping. So Jesus clarifies, he tells them plainly, no, Lazarus is dead and I am going there to wake him up. You see, Jesus views death differently than we do. He's saying death is actually like sleep. In other words, it's simple for him. Think about it, how difficult is it to wake up a sleeping person? You know, not that hard, right? You just say the word. It's like, wake up and that's it. You know, wake up and that's it. Jesus isn't afraid of death because he has total power over it. Now we can't imagine a person being brought back to life. But here we see that death, the most horrible and most powerful thing in our world is like no big deal for Jesus. He compares it to waking up a sleeping person. Wake up. It's simple for him. Next, we read that Jesus and the disciples arrive in Bethany. And by this time, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now, this is super significant. See, it was Jewish belief that when a person died, their soul actually remained near the body for three days, hoping to re-enter it. And then after that time, decomposition would set in, a stench would set in, and the soul would depart. So the fact that Jesus arrives on the fourth day tells us two really important things. First, it tells us that Lazarus was really dead, like he was dead. And second, it tells us that at this point in the story, there was no hope for the people who had hope, their hope had run out that a miracle could be coming. It was too late. Let's keep reading in verse 21 as Jesus has a conversation with Martha in Bethany. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Just imagine Martha's devastation. She has just seen her brother become sick and now he's no longer here. He's he's not alive anymore. And she knows that if Jesus would have been there, he could have intervened. He could have healed him. But look how Jesus responds. Jesus wants to help her understand. Yes, there is a future resurrection, but there's also a present reality of victory right now, today in Jesus. He wants her to see that resurrection isn't an event, it's a person. That's why he says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus is trying to help Martha to understand. Yes, there is a physical death. We will all die but for those who believe in Jesus, one day we will rise from the dead. In fact, we will receive new bodies and we will live forever, unseparated from God. We will be with him forever. Our thinking needs to shift. Resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Resurrection and life are Jesus. There's something so remarkably simple about this conversation between Jesus and Martha. He says, I am resurrection and life. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe. Simple faith is taking someone at their word. And that's exactly what Martha is doing here. She is taking Jesus at his word. Now, can I just say that faith, it doesn't always seem that simple to me. You know, I have a lot of questions and I like answers. I like to have the answers actually. I want evidence. I wanna see with my own eyes. I've got doubts. I want those resolved. You know, faith doesn't always seem all that simple. Yet when we look to how Martha responds, she didn't have all the answers. She was grieving. She lost her brother. She didn't know where Jesus was. Yet she states plainly, yes, Lord, I believe. This is simple faith. It doesn't mean she doesn't have doubts, but it means that she has simple faith. She's taking Jesus at his word. Next, we see that Martha goes to get her sister, Mary. Mary rushes out to be with Jesus. It says the other mourners followed with her. It must've been a scene. Mary, just like Martha knew if Jesus would have been there, he could have intervened. He could have healed her brother. Jesus then asks them if he could see where the body was laid. He wants to see where Lazarus' dead body is laying. And this next part, we cannot miss this next part. It is so important for us to see this part today that even though Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, even though he knew that was coming, he didn't just beeline to the miracle. Instead, he fully entered into their pain and he was with them in their darkest hour. Next, we see the shortest verse in the Bible, such a powerful verse, John eleven thirty five. It says, Jesus wept, he wept. Even though God never intended it, he understands our grief. Psalm 34 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you are grieving today, there is a God of all comfort who loves you. If you are grieving the loss of someone you love today, you're invited to go to God and he will be with you every step of the way. I know that it probably doesn't make sense right now. I know that it's hard to imagine Anything good could come from it. Pain is difficult. We want to avoid it. In fact, sometimes we self-medicate. We turn to all other types of things to deal with it, to numb ourselves. We turn to TV, food, alcohol, exercise, activity, even people, whatever we can. Because the sting of death is too much to bear. Now, maybe you're not grieving physical death today, but you are grieving. And in fact, it feels a lot like death. You know, I remember when my family divorced, it felt like something died. (laughs) More than 10 years later, we've never all been in the same room together. We never again shared a meal. It's like life changed and there's no going back, it's over. Loss like this, it can feel a lot like death. Maybe you've experienced loss like this. If you've been through a divorce, if you've seen the door close on your hopes and your dreams, if you've been abandoned, if you've lost a friendship, if you've been devastated by the exhaustion of infertility, if you had a future in mind for yourself or your child, that isn't the reality. If you've seen the clock run out, loss like this can feel a lot Like death. Whatever you may be facing today, whatever grief you may be experiencing, there is a God of the universe, of all comfort, and you are invited to go to Him, to weep with Him. He'll be with you. He's the one who heals, and He can breathe life into the hardest places. Let me be clear (laughs) we have a God who cares. Jesus wept because he loved Lazarus and he loved Mary and Martha. But he can see the big picture when we can't. See, death has so much power in our world. Death has a sting. That's why we dread it. That's why we fear it. That's why we avoid it. When we grieve, we are actually coming to agree with Jesus that death is horrible. Now we are living in the fall right now, which means that sin and death reign on the earth right here, right now. And you don't need me to tell you that. You see that with your own eyes. But there's more to the story. Jesus is about to show that he has the power to resurrect. He is about to demonstrate. He is the one who one day is going to set all things right because there is a day coming where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because Jesus, he has power over death. Resurrection is not an event, it's a person. We've got to get our heads around this idea. The opposite of death is Jesus. Jesus is life. And he's about to give new life to Lazarus. He's about to bring him back to life. Let's read on and see how this miracle unfolds. In verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Again, John wants us to see it's the fourth day, meaning Lazarus is really dead. Nobody thinks a miracle is coming. Nobody can see what's right around the corner. And then there's Martha who, you know, moments ago was declaring her belief in Jesus. And now she's trying to help Jesus out. She's like, "Oh." The body's going to smell like you might not want to do that, right? And Jesus reminds her, believe and you will see the glory of God. He's calling for an even greater faith. Finally, we read in verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to wake Lazarus up and that's what he did. He said, Lazarus, come out. He's saying, Lazarus, wake up, wake up. There's new life. It says Jesus called in a loud voice, not so that Lazarus would hear, it was so everyone else would hear. It was raw authority over the grave. He didn't want there to be any confusion, no mistake about it, no crowd whispering, you know, what did he say? Did you catch that? He wanted it to be perfectly clear that at his call, by his words, by his breath, by his power, he simply spoke and woke Lazarus up from the dead. The circumstances, they looked bad. Jesus was too late. Lazarus was too far gone and a miracle seemed impossible even to those who believed. But no circumstances can limit Jesus's power. He has power and his power was on display so that they might believe. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person, it's Jesus. Now I want to talk for a minute to those of you who may be watching and you're not really sure what you think about Jesus. First, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I know that it might sound a little crazy, but we believe that there was a real person named Jesus and that he has complete power over death. If you wanna learn more about this, we have groups you can join at Blackhawk to learn about who Jesus is. But we believe that there was a person named Jesus and we believe he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. That's the Jesus that we believe in, a God of love. And I believe that he's saying today, you're invited. Come see that I am who I say I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And now maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know about that. I've got, I've got some doubts and I, I, don't have, I don't know about that. I have reservations. Me too. I have doubts and I have questions. And around here, we actually think that's an okay thing. See, The disciples, they actually lived and walked with Jesus and they had doubts. Jesus isn't looking for perfect belief. He isn't looking for the absence of doubt. He doesn't even want you to ignore your doubts. We have a God who is big enough for whatever doubt you may be experiencing. We can bring him our doubts, but what would it look like for us to start taking Jesus at his word. What would it look like to say, I've got these doubts, so I don't know about this, but I'm gonna start taking you at your word, Jesus. And scripture says that if you believe you will never die, you are going to live forever. It's hard for us. You know, we, we can't see the big picture all the time. We want a pain-free life, but Jesus, wants to help us live a faith-filled life. He wants to grow our belief. This is why Jesus delayed arriving in Bethany. This is why Jesus arrived on the fourth day. This is why he called in a loud voice for all to hear. This is why he brought Lazarus back to life. He did these things so that we might believe. And not only that, but the moment you believe you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And just like the disciples who lived and walked with Jesus, you are going to grow as you live with the power of God, making you fully alive from the inside out. And one day you are going to die, but that's all it will be. And you are going to live forever. Eternally, you will never be separated from God's presence. My guess is that many of us today can really relate to Mary and Martha in the story. We see death, we see loss all around us and we're trying to make sense of it and still keep growing in our faith. But the truth is when you place your faith in Jesus, you'll come to find that actually we have a whole lot in common with Lazarus, just like Lazarus. When you place your faith in Jesus, you cross from death into life. You become fully alive and you become evidence of God's power to wake people up. Wake up, he has power over death. When we look to the ending ending of the story, we see that there's more. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave. He calls him by name into new life. And it says that Lazarus had strips of linen all around his face. He had a cloth over his face as well. And Jesus tells the people standing around, take off his grave clothes and let him go. It's like those clothes, those don't belong on you. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus, you become fully alive. But there's a process that begins of breaking free from all this stuff from the old life that just doesn't belong on us. And just like Lazarus, sometimes we need others to help us, to help us to see the stuff that we can't see on our own. It's like, oh, I got a linen back here. Oh, I didn't know I even had that. Oh, I've been following Jesus for what, 16 years. And oh, there's another piece of linen. There's more to take off from my old life. I wanna invite you. If you're not already in community, if you're not in a group, we have so many great groups here at Blackhawk. You can learn to walk in new life. You can break free from your old stuff together. When you get with others, you can actually grow. You can navigate your doubts. When you need to, you can even grieve together. But you can learn to walk in new life with a new perspective because we know that death It doesn't get the final word because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In a moment, we have an opportunity to take communion with Daniel leading us. But first I just wanna pray for every single one of us today that we would feel the very real invitation from God, that we would come and see that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the resurrection and the life. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to hear this story again and again, God, to see that you are a good God and you love us so much. Even though we can't always make sense of our circumstances, God, I I thank you that you love us, that you enter into the hardest places. God, I pray for those today who are hurting, who are grieving. I pray maybe for the first time that they would experience comfort that comes from you. I pray that you would help us take our next step today. Help us to take you, Jesus, at your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.